Hello, everyone. I'm Mark L. Vincent. I uh, am privileged to direct the Convene Consulting Network, and we've been putting together a series of conversations with people who love leaders and love working with organizations and helping them really arrive at their best. And in today's conversation, I'm going to be conversing with Dr. Merlin Switzer, who is the founder and CEO of Switzer Associates. He uh, does a lot of writing that I have really appreciated around leadership and leadership teams, uh, as well as the resources that he brings on site with them. And I asked if he would be available to talk with me a little bit more about this molding of really high performing leadership teams. So Merle and Merlin, I know we call you all those names. Thanks for being here. And uh, I want to begin this conversation by just going back to the fact you spent a lot of time with leaders and leadership teams, and you work to help them understand who they are as an individual and what that means when they come together as a team. So um, I don't want to assume that it's important. Let's just pretend that we don't know. So why is it important and what are the benefits of doing that kind of work? Yeah, thanks, Mark. It's really a joy to be with you um, today. You know, I'd start by like uh, using a metaphor of a college rowing team. Now, interestingly enough, uh, this is a sport that started in 1852 when Yale challenged Harvard to a rowing contest. And typically, these teams would be comprised of maybe eight members that are on the oars that are rowing, and a coxswain uh, in the back of the boat uh, facing the rowers because they're looking backwards. He's the only one looking forward, and his job is to help direct the course and direct the rowers so that they're rowing at the right cadence, they're putting the energy into it, he can keep them on course so that they get to the destination and, and ideally win the race. Uh, and so I use that as a metaphor as we're talking about leaders and leadership teams. You know, on these, uh, on these college row teams, each person has a part that contributes to the greater whole, all of them working together as a team, but each of them has a part to play. And so for more than 15 years, I've been working full-time with leaders as an executive coach, um, you know, doing customized leader tra training, uh, facilitating team building workshops to help leadership teams in particular take their game to another level. And so you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, posing the question, is it important that we develop our leaders and we develop our leadership teams? Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, and it, and it, starts with fundamentally the individual. Do they know how to lead? Do they know what the roles and responsibilities are and how they contribute to the overall effort of the organization? And my work with my leaders, uh, so often they have challenges. They're not uh, sure about what the expectations are. Um, maybe have a lack of knowledge of how to lead teams or a lack of emotional intelligence. Uh, for example, one particular leader uh, was uh, the way he interacted with people caused a couple of longtime employees uh, to leave, uh, leave and uh, leave the organization. Sure. And so they're really concerned about what do we do? We don't, we can't afford to suffer the loss of these key positions. Uh, and so we took a baseline 360 to see where was this 
leader um, hitting the mark? Where was he missing the mark? And what we found was he didn't really understand how to communicate with people. Uh, from a DISC perspective, Mark, if you're, uh, yeah. you're available or um, understand DISC, he was high in dominance. Uh, and so he had a particular way of dealing with people that uh, tended to be off-putting, uh, tended, they felt belittled uh, and maybe micromanaged by him. And so we were able to bring this to his attention through this 360. And then through monthly coaching sessions and some assessments, we were able to get, help him get a better picture of what the challenges were, but more importantly, to set him on a better course and hold him accountable to making the changes that actually he wanted to make and the organization wanted him to make. At the end of that uh, time period, we actually did a repeat 360 with the same individuals and we could show how their perception of his leadership, particularly in these key areas, had significantly improved. Hmm. And so that's an example of a leader that maybe wasn't sure exactly how to lead people, maybe was a little bit lacking in emotional intelligence. Uh, and in fact, he told me at one point, I'm hearing things other people say that I would have bought into uh, a year ago, but given where I am today, I immediately think that's not how you talk to people. That's not how you interact with people. Wow. And, and so really help him to see things he didn't even see before, you know, in his relationship with others. Now, if we take that to more of a team perspective, I find the same kind of thing um, with a leadership team uh, that they maybe don't understand what their organization, their company leads from them as a group of leaders who are responsible, like the coxswain, to call, to set the patents, to set the direction, to help people accomplish uh, their goals. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, uh, for example, one of the things uh, that I've done with a number of leadership teams is to develop a leadership team vision. Essentially, who are we as a group of leaders? What kind of leadership do we want to aspire to provide to our organization? What do they need from us? What are the challenges in the next several years that we need to be able to help our people navigate? Mm. And what I find is too few leadership teams have these conversations. And so uh, that team is comprised of eight individuals, let's say, and they're rowing at different paces, uh, they're putting varying amounts, uh, they're headed in different directions. <laughs> and so we may have that, that boat doing circles instead of going straight down uh, towards the goal. Uh, and so as I help them build consensus around what does the organization need from us? What kind of leadership do we want to provide? Then what are the values that support that? And more importantly, I think is, okay, so let's come up with examples of behaviors that reinforce the values that support our vision for our leadership team. And so I want to connect day-to-day -day actions to support where they want to go uh, as a leadership team. And so this helps give them a sense of direction and purpose uh, that they need in working uh, together. And so this then becomes a filter for them to think about uh, what does our organization need from us? How do we provide the kind of leadership and do that collectively so that we can 
uh, improve our leadership and overall results of our organization. I really like the idea uh, of leadership vision. I think you laid that out really well. And I have to say, it's the first time I've heard anyone use Coxswain in reference or in response to a question I asked. It's a great image. Uh, what I like to get at is how far down and how broadly in an organization it goes, given all the different types of organizations that are out there, and how frequently should, should uh, they be working at this to measure it over time? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me start with an experience that I've had a number of times where an organization invites me in to do some leadership training, like leading organizational change, just as an example, or it could be, uh, I mean, it's been a variety of different topics. And if senior leadership is in, not in the room, one of the first questions invariably that group will ask me is, hey, this looks pretty good. Is senior leadership going through this too? Sure. They want to know that what they're being invited to experience is supported and participated by those in the senior leadership role. The second thing that I uh, think is really important about including various levels of the organization is that it helps to create a common language. If just the senior leadership team goes to a certain type of leadership training, then yes, that creates a common framework, but when they begin to talk about that to other managers or lower level leaders in the organization, those leaders won't understand what they're talking about. Uh, and so there's really value to doing that. One of the most significant players in the organizational hierarchy from an employee perspective is their immediate supervisor and manager. In fact, the immediate supervisor or manager controls more of the factors that contribute to engagement and retention than anyone else in the organization. Wow. So from my perspective, we wanna try and engage people at the all leadership levels when we're trying to turn the ship, so to speak, or we're trying to uh, implement a new initiative uh, that's really important to the organization, you know, provided that it's something that transcends a particular division, uh, mm -hmm. let's say. So there's a term called assumptive worldview. Assumptive worldview means that we essentially view the world through the lens of our experience, our education, <clears throat> our position in a company, our access to information. Uh, and so it's really a benefit when we can bring people from uh, different leadership levels in an organization together where they can exchange perspectives as they can hear what things look like from each perspective. And so that helps us to uh, get a, a better sense of what's going on in the organization. Uh, and, and so in terms of frequency, then it depends on the initiatives that are going on in that organization. Uh, some organizations, you know, especially now, are facing a variety of different forces from the pandemic uh, and mm -hmm. other things that are going on in the economy that can really impact uh, the course of that business, how work gets done, uh, and who their clients are, just a variety of other uh, considerations. And so this exchanging of views uh, is really important. This is really interesting. Um, so what I'd like to ask is, as you're getting started, you know, you're trying to figure out where people are and getting that baseline. There's so many assessments out there and training models. 
Uh, and I've known you to be a person who can move in and among them and choose well uh, and choose according to that organization. So how, how do you help a client determine what is best to use and when do you use it? Because you've already mentioned DISC, you've already mentioned 360s. So how does that go? I like to approach each situation uniquely. In other words, I don't want to have a carbon copy of this is what I do uh, in every situation. So I like to draw from uh, the medical field. Now, when you have an ailment, you go to the doctor. And the doctor says, tell me what you're feeling. And so you tell him. Maybe he'll conduct a physical examination, you know, looking to see, you know, poking and prodding around, listening to your breathing. <laughs> sure. uh, and then he'll probably say, well, you know, I'm going to order up some tests. Uh, and so we'll have you do some lab work. I'll take a look at it. Uh, he may make a preliminary diagnosis, uh, but most cases he'll wait and say, okay, let's see if this is what I think it is. And if it is, then uh, there's a variety of options to consider. Maybe it's physical therapy. Maybe it's, you know, some kind of medication. And then I like to get a, a deeper look. Usually it's through an organizational health assessment or team building assessment right reach out to the leadership team or to the whole organization and ask a variety of questions it helps me get a sense of not only what the pain points are uh, but what people's perspective of maybe what needs to occur what would good look like what would a potential successful resolution look like what i found mark over the years is oftentimes when I've done that, new information rises to the surface that was not part of the conversation with the chief executive officer. Uh, and it's really important information. And so at that point, then I can say, okay, here's what you said. Here's what I see in the organization or team building assessment. Here are some strategies that I think we need to employ to get you from where you are to where you want to be at mm. some point in the future. Uh, and so that could include, as I mentioned, could include DISC. I use the work of leaders a lot. Okay, sure. Could be an emotional intelligence assessment. Uh, could be a 360. Could be group or individual coaching. Could be a workshop or focus groups where we bring people together to focus on a, on a strategic issue. Uh, I'm reminded of an organization called me and said, Merle, we need some help. Uh, and we just want to tell you right up front, this is not a one-shot deal. Uh, the next thing I did was conduct an organ focus groups just to get people to weigh in on the results and kind of validate the results from their perspective. I ended up doing a three-day team building workshop with the leadership team. Uh, then we did some quarterly follow-ups uh, where we did the everything disc work of leaders. Uh, I facilitated discussion around significant issues and helped them build consensus around action plans to address those. Uh, and over the course of a year, it really helped turn this leadership team around uh, and put them, uh, you know, on a, on a new course uh, that really significantly moved them forward. In fact, the person that was second in command in this organization uh, told me about six minutes into, I mean, six months into, I said, Merle, I am having the best experience I have ever had in this organization. This was really the team. Uh, and by engaging them and the rest of the paid and commit to the actions uh, that they had uh, had agreed upon.
So when you're doing that kind of work with people, there's a bit of this line that's kind of hard to draw. Uh, there's what the company needs from them. There is what uh, they would like to have for themselves. So uh, how do you discern that line with those leaders? And what are some of the useful tools on either side of that line that you use? As I shared that example earlier of this leader that was sent to me, and this has happened in other cases too, where um, their performance has indicated that there's a problem. Uh, and, and so they is very specific that we wanted to focus. Uh, on the other hand, I have another client who uh, every time someone promotes to a supervisor or manager position, uh, they ask me to do maybe four to six coaching sessions with that individual to help them, um, you know, get their feet on the ground as a um, new manager, or new supervisor in that organization. Uh, and, and so it's really helped them identify that first course of action. For example, uh, when I first meet with a new leader, I may ask him, so where do you feel your strengths are in, as a leader? Where do you think you're vulnerable? What are the values that you believe in? How are you going to communicate those values to your new reports? Uh, how are you going to uh, identify and build relationships with them or identify what they perceive as issues that you may have the power to fix. Uh, I learned this about mid-career. I spent 28 years in a large organization, half my career at the mid-level and executive levels. And I went into this assignment as a new mid-level manager. There were 100 people uh, in that particular um, function, if you will. And I was told this group is out of control. We've got to have changes. And so I thought to myself, how do I get my arms around this? So I met with everybody one-on-one -on -one or in small groups of people, uh, if that's the only way I could kind of meet with them. And in that particular case, what I found was that I have seen the enemy and it is us. Hmm. It was the fact that the five direct reports that I had um, weren't sure about their roles. Uh, they weren't working together. So people were going to the person they would get the best answer from. <clears throat> they weren't showing up in places where we were vulnerable to complaints uh, and problems. Uh, and, and there were just a variety of issues. Well, I learned so much and that worked so well that for the next 13 years, every time I moved into a new position, I met with every single person one-on-one. -on -one. And I did this multiple times with 85 or more people. You know, who are you? Listening specifically for shared experiences and common aspirations that become linkage points in building a relationship. The second thing is, here are seven values that I think is really important for us to be successful with. I'd like to share these values with you, see to what extent uh, those make sense to you. And the third thing was, what are those things that you've thought to yourself, doggone it, if I was running this place, I would do this. What is it that you would do and how would you do it? And Mark, so often I found that there were irritants that uh, people didn't have the ability to fix, but I could easily. 
and I began through this listening process to quietly make changes and give them the credit for identifying the problem and the solution. And that really played a significant role in helping me gain credibility, but also to uh, improve how that particular uh, work area functioned. And so plugging that back into this process is, is when uh, I'm asked to work with a new manager, uh, it's a part of helping them discover, if you will, what's important to them. Uh, sometimes it involves homework. Sometimes there may be articles that, uh, if they're willing, I give them to read. And then we talk about those articles, you know, for example, in a coaching session. Uh, and so some of the other tools besides 360s, DISC, um, you know, emotional intelligence, uh, coaching might be a hybrid where um, I do a little bit of teaching along with coaching to help them learn concepts and then explore how they might employ those to improve their leadership uh, in the organization. Uh, in working with teams, it's, it, it's uh, you know, very similar. Uh, I have a proprietary team building assessment that covers 10 to 12 key areas about leadership teams, how they make decisions, the extent to which they trust each other, and other things like that. And so some of the other tools I might use is five behaviors of a cohesive team, uh, again, individual or group coaching uh, with that uh, group as a whole, often facilitated workshops where once we've identified some areas, then provide them with tools and opportunity to brainstorm strategies that then they can employ to help themselves uh, move forward. Thank you. Uh, that's a, a great picture because you're, you're really pointing out how important and delicate and intricate the process style is. You're figuring it out with the client. Uh, I'd like to wrap this conversation up with a question that brings Christian faith back into the mix. So uh, a person who is a Christian has some kind of a picture of the end state of their development, loving God with heart and soul and strength and mind. So you've got a care for the physical being, a care for the intellectual capacity, a, uh, an emotional intelligence, and then an eternal perspective. All of this is being shaped. And so when you think about the executive leader who is well-formed as a Christian, what would you add there? What are you looking for? What are you wanting to develop in them? I just feel like that's a great place to bring this conversation to a close. What would you say there? Mark, this is a, this is a topic that excites me along with leadership. When I can combine these two, uh, that's really exciting. I, I actually feel a calling to do that. Of the scribe that asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Jesus responded in Mark 12, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love the Lord, uh, rather, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so to me, this talks about the importance of loving people. There's actually an interesting term that I learned 
during my doctoral studies. Uh, and it's a word called agapeo. Agapeo is really a kind of moral love. Uh, you might um, boil it down to do the right things for the right reasons. And so as a leader, particularly a faith-based leader, I want to do things for the right reason. I want to love people in ways that God gives me opportunity. And no greater opportunity um, is present than those that you work with. And, and so keeping that internal, uh, eternal perspective in mind is important. Uh, in my own personal life, almost, well, I'll just say most of my adult life, I started the day or at some point during the day with time in God's word, followed up by physically staying in shape, um, but also staying contemporarily uh, engaged, if you will, um, having you know, accomplished a variety of degrees uh, over the years to stay sharp, to keep learning, to be able to add value uh, to those that, uh, that I work with. Uh, and one of the ways, as you know, uh, to consider doing that is by engaging with Convene. I was a Convene chair for more than five years. Uh, at times, I had 16 uh, Christian business owners that were engaged on one of my Convene teams. And this model uh, is such a great model. I don't know of any other model that I've seen that's enhanced learning and growth like this model. It combines the power of coaching, which coaching alone as a single strategy uh, is the strongest or most powerful thing that I've seen in my work with leaders. When you combine that with an environment where they join with other leaders uh, to grow like in best practices on how to lead and run their business, coupled with a safe environment where they can talk about their problems, where they can share their challenges and opportunities with other like-minded men and women who can then speak into those. And time and again, I've seen them talk about opportunities or challenges and have a perspective that was changed as they listen to others around the table. Uh, so powerful. Uh, I'm currently working with a large church uh, that's developing a workshop for senior business leaders. And really the focus, my part of that focus is to help encourage them to think about how they can use their influence and affluence at this stage in their life to benefit the kingdom. Now, what does that look like? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that because that's between them and God. But I know from my own experience that God often has whispered things in my ear. The question is, is it, am I willing to step out in faith when he's called me to do that? Mark, a few years ago, I was having a conversation with David Green. David Green, as you may know, uh, is a founder and for many years, the CEO of Hobby Lobby. One of the disciplines that David had was every morning after he and his wife had breakfast together, they would have a devotion and they would pray over their family, over their relationship, but also over the business. And David said, so often in these devotions, God would put on my heart things to do, and I would simply go to work and do them. But one of the most profound examples he shared was 
He said, one day was, you know, having this devotion and God put her in my heart to close our stores on Sunday. Well, when David went to the office, he, he did the numbers. Sundays generated $144 million for their business. But he was so convinced that God's hand was on this. And so he did it anyhow. And he said, my business exploded. When I interviewed him, was talking with him, they were at 2.5 billion. Wow. So it's testimony to the power of trusting God rather than trusting our own instincts in that situation. And so when we serve the God of the universe, the God of all wisdom, all knowledge, if we're willing to follow his lead, God can take us to levels and places we never dreamed possible. Uh, and I can tell you other stories of men and women who committed to following God. And even in my own convening teams, I, see, I saw over a period of five years, many of these businesses double or more in size and their leaders told me, I am leading with less stress and more ease at this size than I was at this other size. Uh, and so it's been a real uh, encouraging and fun part of my experience as somebody developing leaders to see the kind of impact that that had on their personal lives, on their spiritual lives, and on their business life as a leader in uh, in a company so i want to say thank you uh for the time that you've invested in this conversation and for the way you've described uh the power of a leadership vision i i feel like in this conversation we've traveled from harvard uh doing you know the the rowing down the the river to doctor's offices to hobby lobby and back again and it's uh, just a great set of stories uh and i really appreciate this process orientation that you're bringing to what you do. So to everyone who uh, was watching this or listening to this, uh, we're going to provide uh, Merlin's uh, contact information. So if you want to reach out to him and just continue a conversation with him, uh, you're welcome to do that. And I want to say thank you for listening to this and wishing you well between now and the next time we have a conversation. Thank you all.